0: Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman.
1: Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report. It's a Monday. Hope you all had a terrific weekend. Uh, I did. It seemed longer than usual. Packed a lot into this weekend and uh, a little worse for wear, I gotta tell you. Monday morning, not uh, looking great to me right now. Would prefer to be sleeping. But what do you got to do? You got to get up and make the donuts, as the uh, the old commercial said. So here I am with you. And of course, um, it is a Monday. And especially after this weekend, that means that I learned a thing or two. I got a little smarter this weekend. So once again, it is time for
2: the top five things I learned this weekend.
1: Yes. Let's kick off with number two. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> Let's kick off with... Number one. That's much better. Uh, the first thing I learned this weekend is that there is a mathematical equation to the intensity of hangovers that is directly correlated to your age. When I started drinking, and I, I guess this is okay to admit now, statute of limitations has to be over by now, I started drinking as, uh, as a lot of people did in my teens. I did not wait until I was 21 to have my first drink. I used to drink, drink with beers with my buddies and stuff and everything when I was, I don't know, 18, uh, 17, maybe, 17, 18, 16. <laughs> anyway, I was in my teens when I first um, enjoyed alcoholic beverages. And the next day, it was as if I hadn't had a drink at all. So that, in my teens, no hangover. 20s, the hangovers were twice as bad as they were in the teens. If I was a little groggy the next day as a, as a teen, in my 20s, they were twice as bad. And that's the equation I found out. For every decade of age that you are, that's the increasing intensity of your hangover. 20s, twice as bad. 30s, three times as bad. 40s, 40, you get what I'm, I'm driving at here. And I am still hungover from St. Patrick's Day. We had a Hollywood Babylon on St. Patrick's Day night at the Improv on Melrose. And I was doing a Guinness and shots of Jameson's. And uh, boy, man, this is a true story. The uh, Improv ran out of Guinness. I'm just saying. I may have had something to do with that. And the next day, Sunday, man... It was brutal, crippling hangover. And today, still feeling pretty poor. So, I'm just saying, I may have to quit drinking at some point because every decade seems to get worse. Or, or, here's the other option, I never stop drinking. You can't get hungover if you don't stop drinking, right? See, that's what I learned this weekend. Okay, what else did I learn?
0: Number two. Yeah,
1: number two is that I did not win the lottery again this weekend. That's what I learned. I did not have the winning ticket for $455 million from the mega millions like I had anticipated winning this weekend. I did not. The winning ticket apparently was sold in Pennsylvania. My whole old home state did not go to me which I find, frankly, disappointing. Isn't it crazy when you play the lottery that you really think, you know what, I might get this. This might be my time. This might be my chance. When the the odds are astronomical. But still you allow yourself to believe as you're buying those tickets, you know what, I'm looking forward to seeing the winning numbers because I think I got a shot. Man, people are weird. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. Number three. Number three. I found out that uh, spring break is an excellent idea. So much so that it should continue on throughout your entire life. Why should spring break be relegated to students who, in all fairness, to any students who may be listening, have a pretty sweet-ass life? It's after you get out of school and you gotta start working for a living and paying bills and mortgages and shit like that, that it really starts to suck. But college... I need a break in college. College was a break for me. I I screwed and drank and laughed and played throughout the majority of my college years. I needed a break from that. It's not really a break. You're just, you're upping the intensity. You're just doing more of the same. So what we need is spring break for grownups. Need spring break from your job. How much would you love it if you got two weeks off in March from whatever it is that you do for a living? They said, yeah, go ahead. Take a, take a couple of weeks. Go to Fort Lauderdale. Enjoy yourself. Get laid. Have some margaritas. It would be awesome. It would be the best two weeks of the year. So I am running on a platform of spring break for everyone. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, at the end of the month, I am going to take a little time. To spend with my family and my kid on her spring break. We're going to go out of town for a couple of days, but I will uh, prepare some pre recorded material so I won't leave you in the lurch. But uh, I won't be doing any live shows per se. Not that this is live, naturally, not broadcasting, but any daily live uh, updates. I'll do some pre recorded shows for you, but I will be taking a couple of days off because I want to spend some time with the family. During spring break, they're already enjoying uh, some spring break time now. They have uh, left me behind, and they are in England. Jolly old England, in the north country. Uh, Nottingham. They're in Nottingham. Aha! Yes, I'm Robin of Loxley. Hello, Sheriff of Nottingham. So, uh, they're enjoying their spring break. And here I am, still hung over from St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Number four. Number four, the fourth thing I learned this weekend. I'm wildly disappointed that there's already a porn parody of Tomb Raider called Womb Raider. That was my idea. That was going to be my million-dollar idea this weekend. As I saw Tomb Raider coming in at number two at the box office this weekend, I said, it's time to make a porn parody of Tomb Raider. I'll call it Womb Raider. Womb Raider! Come on! That's so awesome! Yeah, somebody already did it. In 2003, by the way. They did it a long time ago. I did some research, and it's like a shitty, soft-core porn, too. It's not even like a good, hardcore, funny parody film. So maybe I should still make it. Womb Raider. Right? Oh, Nobody gets me. And lastly... Number, number five. Yeah, I got one right. Number five thing I learned this weekend is I do not like speed bumps. I resent speed bumps. Speed bumps are someone's way of telling me that they don't think I can handle my car properly. That's them in in the underground parking garage saying, you know what, we don't trust you to uh, travel through this parking garage at a safe speed, so we're going to put these speed bumps up here to force you to slow down because we don't think you know what you're doing. We don't think you can handle it. I resent that. I resent them telling me that I don't know the safe speed to progress through a, a neighborhood street, a parking garage, uh, a parking lot at a, at a mall. Speed bumps—they treat you like a child. Speed bumps do. They like, we don't think you're responsible enough, so we're going to put these safeguards in place because you can't handle it. And I resent that. I hate that. This weekend, I was driving around through an underground garage, and these speed bump, 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 bump bum, bum, every twenty feet. I was like, enough with these. So I found a way to get back at the people who put the speed bumps up. What I do is, in between the speed bumps, I gun my engine. I I accelerate as quickly as possible. Try to get like 100 miles an hour in between the speed bumps. Then I quickly slow down, and I go over the speed bump, and then I just go really fast again. I drive very recklessly in between the speed bumps, just to show them they can't control me. And if something should go horribly wrong, if I hit someone or another car or something, it's their fault because they made me do it. They made me assert my independence because they tried to infer that I was not capable of handling my own vehicle. And that is not okay, sir. So that's something I learned about myself this weekend. I tell you, it was very educational. And those were... The Top 5 Things I Learned This Weekend. All right, let's get into all the showbiz news, shall we? It is a Monday, so we like to take a look at the Top 10 Movies at the box office to see what people went to see in the movie theaters this weekend. Congratulations the black panther always bet on black came in number one again this weekend when it was facing pretty stiff competition with tomb raider but it came in at number one for the fifth week in a row by the way you know the last time a movie stayed at the number one slot in the box office for five weeks in a row i was blown away by this detail avatar avatar was the last time that happened That's crazy. This Black Panther thing is a monster hit. Made over $600 million already just in the United States alone. That makes it the seventh highest grossing movie in America in history. So congratulations to Black Panther at number one with another $27 million at the box office. Tomb Raider came in at number two with $23.5 million this weekend. I can only imagine came in at number three with 17 million dollars, A Wrinkle in Time was fourth, with 16.5 million, Love Simon made 11.5 million dollars made it number 5. Game Night was 6th. Peter Rabbit at number 7, Stranger's Prey at Night was number 8. Red Sparrow and Death Wish coming in at number 10. Speaking of movies, The Avengers Infinity War. Man, have you seen that trailer that dropped on Friday? Damn, does that look amazing. Anthony and Joe Russo directed this film. It is going to bring everybody in the Marvel Cinematic Universe together. And I think everyone's as excited as I am by the trailer because Fandango put their pre-sale tickets on sale at 6 a.m. here, Pacific Standard Time. And um, I guess it would be Pacific Daylight Savings Time, right? Anyway, the story is the advance tickets crushed the previous record. It only needed six hours to break Fandango's record for the best-selling superhero movie in the first 24 hours of pre-sales. The first two previous record holders were Batman v. Superman and Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War Blue past those. So everyone is very excited for April 27th to roll around when that movie's going to be out, and I am one of them. I did not buy my tickets, though. did not pre-buy tickets. I don't believe in it. I think uh, there's plenty of tickets to go around and plenty of seats. And when it comes out, I'll, I'll see it. I don't need to pre buy my tickets. I guess if you want to see day one, you got to do that. But I'm not all that. I don't have a hard on for, for being there on the first day. Congratulations to Anthony and Joe Russo. Joe Russo, by the way, a little uh, trivia. Great guy. He directed me in my uh, first episode of Agent Carter when I played Radio Announcer Man in that uh, Captain America Adventure Hour radio show that they had on there joe russo was the director of that episode and he was terrific and very nice to me so i'm happy to see all of his success angelita jolia said she doesn't mind growing old oh isn't that sweet i look in the mirror and i see that i look like my mother and that warms me she said i also see myself aging and i love it because it means i'm alive i'm living and getting older oh shut up here's the thing The people who love getting older are always people who look like Angelina Jolie does when she's older. You know, Brad Pitt is fine getting older. People who are amazing looking just look older but still amazing. Those of us who were barely passable when we were young don't like getting older because you start to look really shitty. So she needs to recognize that and stop talking to all of us like we all look like Angelina Jolie. And even people who are genetically blessed don't like getting older. Tell that to uh, Nicole Kidman's new face. Let her know. It's, getting old is fun. She should appreciate her aging face. Ah, this is bad news. Flight of the Concords have to postpone their tour. Look, I don't, I don't think they were going to play the U.S. anyway, but I was hoping if it was a success that eventually uh, they would. They were supposed to tour the U.K., and they have to postpone because of a... Uh, well, it was Brett McKenzie who got injured, which is the reason behind the postponement. He said it was a very rock and roll injury... He fell down some stairs and broke two bones in his hand. So, obviously, he needs his hands to play guitar. So, they're going to postpone those shows and reschedule them at a later date. But I love Flight of the Concords. The good news is, HBO has announced it's going to have an hour long Flight of the Concords comedy special in May. So, maybe they will tour the States. I sure hope so. Because, like I said, huge, huge fans of the Concords. Speaking of music, you know who Don McLean is? He's the guy who sang American Pie which was his uh, one-hit wonder, like, I don't know, 40 years ago, 45 years ago? Bye-bye, Miss American Pie, that one. Yeah, 74 years old. Well, he's got a 24-year-old Playboy model girlfriend. Come on! Her name is Paris Dillon, and she is spectacularly hot. I'm just going to call it. It's just the truth. He's 74, and she's 24. God damn it, fame is the ultimate aphrodisiac. Don McLean, he's Don McClain. He had one hit. He's 74, and he looks like a bag of doorknobs. And she is spectacular and 24. And the pictures of the two of them are all over her social media and Instagram. She uh, has one posted in October of 2017 where she calls him the love of my entire life. Your entire life's like an, a minute compared to his... So uh, they're apparently very much in love. Come on. That's not right. I mean, some guys are out there saying, oh, good for him, 74. No, it's just, bye-bye, age-appropriate pie. (laughs) You just shouldn't be with her. That's wrong. Let's take a look at all these stars born on this day, March 19th. Renee Taylor from The Nanny. She is 85 years old today. Ursula Andrus. She was the very first Bond girl in Dr. No, 82 years old today. Glenn Close turned 71. Bruce Willis is 63. And Clarence Frogman Henry is 81 years old today. You may not know his work, but you might know his song. You know, uh, One Hit Wonders went over big last week, by the way, when we did Vehicle, The Ides of March. So every Wednesday, we're going to feature One Hit Wonder Wednesday. I'm going to play a new one of my favorite One Hit Wonders. This won't be it, but we're going to celebrate Clarence Frogman Henry's birthday. He's 81 years old. Great piano player and singer out of New Orleans had one hit. And he, you wonder why they call him Frog Man. It's because he can sing like a frog. And he did it in his song, Ain't Got a Home. I ain't got a mother. I ain't got a daughter. I ain't got a sister. Not even a brother. So there you go. He's 81 years old today. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the his beat. One of the most gratifying segments we do here on The Ralph Report, for me personally, is when we talk about mental health issues with therapist Dr. Sarah Howard. Um, It is getting great response. And a lot of people talking about how it's actually been helpful for them and their loved ones. And I think it's great to kind of peel back and diminish the stigma that goes with some of these problems by talking about them as much as we can. And uh, this week is no different. I got a great email from a guy named Tony, and i read it to you now. He said, throughout my life, I have been battling with lateness, being disorganized, being forgetful, and often being overwhelmed by responsibilities. These issues have hindered everything from relationships to my career, but I have found a great new girlfriend, and she has suggested that I might be suffering from ADD Or ADHD. She says perhaps my condition was unrecognized throughout my childhood. Can you and Dr. Sarah talk about ADD and ADHD, Tony? Well, first of all, Tony, if you think there's even a possibility of this, of course, you should seek out a uh, medical or mental health professional and get yourself diagnosed. But this is very common that they're finding more and more adults are struggling with this condition they just thought that previously they were scatterbrained but now they're finding out that they did go undiagnosed as children that they suffered from ADHD or ADD because let's face it 20 years ago no one was really diagnosing kids with this they were just thought they were you know a slacker or a troublemaker or a bad student and they were just kind of passed off so it's important now that adults who do have some of these symptoms do see a professional about them so I thought we talked to Dr. Sarah about ADD and ADHD Uh, exactly what is it, what are some of the symptoms, and she's here today to help us out. Dr. Sarah, always a pleasure to talk to you. Today, we're talking about ADD and ADHD and high-def TV as well. If we have some time later on, perhaps we'll get into that. But uh, what what is ADD and ADHD?
2: Are we talking about STDs too? Oh, no, sorry. That's that's another another segment. segment. Yeah. Okay. ADD, the definition is attention deficit disorder, Uh and then ADHD is attention deficit hyperactive disorder.
1: And this is something that we usually associate with kids, but it turns out there's a lot of adults who are walking around with the the same problem, right?
2: Correct, correct. And with the adults, it's kind of harder... So basically have lived with it their whole life, but it never got diagnosed. And, you know, ADD, ADHD is relatively in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years is kind of a new thing. Um, But yeah, adults, it can go unseen for a long time and, and it can manifest a little bit differently like than it does with kids. It's very similar, but then it affects, I think it's even worse, to have it diagnosed, I mean, it's great to have it diagnosed as an adult, but it can, the longer it goes on untreated, then it can even have other effects on your life, on your, you know, your social functioning and your just, your life overall. So it's a pretty, it's, um, I think for some people who get diagnosed as an adult, it's probably a huge relief.
1: Now, when it comes to kids, you can't even diagnose this until they're of a certain age, right?
2: Um, God uh, damn it! You got me. Yes, there is an age, but I don't recall what it is.
1: Yeah, but I mean, um, I mean, you can't just take any rambunctious kid at three or four and try to pin this on them because it's really hard to tell until they get older and grow a little bit whether they're actually dealing with this or not. Right.
2: Right. Exactly. Because the 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 nor- these patterns that these that kids with ADD and ADHD have, they're really they're just a variation of normal patterns of behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, all kids are impulsive and distracted. And I have a three-year-old. I mean, my God, he's impulsive, distracted, inattentive, right. you know, some, sometimes. But, like, so the difference is the ADD is, like, they're like that most of the time. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it might, might be over the age of five. I, I wish I knew off the top of my head. But that's why it's hard to diagnose and why it can be really tricky when you get, and for all the listeners listening, if you think you have a kid that is, ADD or ADHD to really like kind of shy away from just having a a psychiatrist who throws, throws meds at them because, you know, again, like I said, young kids and adults too, we could all be impulsive or distracted and and inattentive. But, um, so yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a big, it's important, um, factor to know that it's hard to tell. Um, And you kind of need like several factors for it to be diagnosed, and has to kind of go on for a period of time.
1: And what are those factors? What are you looking for in a, a patient that exhibits the symptoms of ADD or ADHD?
2: So, ADD, so so it stands for attention. So, kids will have a very difficult time focusing, and not just a normal sometimes, but it's like majority of the time difficult time focusing in school, um, on tasks that we give them at home. But it can also be like a hyper-focus. So it's not just can't pay attention very well. It's sometimes over-focusing. Like it's so intense, which actually can be a good thing at certain points too. You know, Mm -hmm. because some might be, because they'll be over-focused on something they really, 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 really enjoy. Like if it's something they're drawn to, like baseball, let's just say for example, then it'll be really like over the top but then things that they don't enjoy that's where it's sort of like or that are more run-of-the-mill like oh your chores I mean, who likes doing chores but you know like it's like it's as if it's terrible drudgery and then there's no focus on it so that's one that's the attention bit um the deficit it's kind of i think of it more as like a style of learning that like some people just don't the way that they learn, and I just hate, even hate the word deficit, because um, that means as if they're lacking something. And I really think it's more like different people, different kids learn differently. Um, you know, like some kid might be able to kind of learn their ABCs, like bouncing on a trampoline and like, that's okay. <laughs> if that's the way that they learn, but it's more so curtailing and tailoring the way a kid learns to um, to what their style is, really their individual style of learning. So that aspect comes up a lot and like the school aspect. Um, The hyperactivity is kind of what it sounds like. It's just that, you know, the kids that they say they can't sit still. And again, it's not just the kid that sometimes can't sit still. It's like ever, like most of the time, majority of the time. Yeah,
1: these are the kids Um, in a classroom that are constantly interrupting the class and running around and keeping the other students from participating because they simply can't throughout the entire day settle in.
2: Right, right. Yeah. And they're, you know, like maybe even like not jittery, but like, you know, just, yeah, it's like as if it's internal, really. Right, right. Um, and so stuff to do for that is, again, it's kind of tailoring to how that person might really learn better or exist better in the world. Sort of like breaking up small tasks, you know. Um, and the last one, disorder, again, like I hate the word because it just is such a stigmatized like label. Um, I kind of just think of it as a of disorder, D for disorder, like D for difference. Um, that you know they're unique people, but they ha- they put that word at the end because they have to sort of you know have some sort of clinical diagnosis for it. Right. There's a lot um, of things in of these like-
1: books that are labeled as disorders that you ne- wouldn't necessarily consider one.
2: Yeah. Well, and also just and it has like a negative tilt on it, like a right. disorder instead of like well. Um, maybe it's a difference. You're different than I am or your kid is different than my kid, but that doesn't make them, you know, um, bad people. And some of very successful people are ADD and ADHD, because again, it's sort of like you use those, the, the, the positive parts about it, like that hyper-focus. I mean, like a CEO, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of CEOs and people that manage a lot of stuff are, have a little ADD, ADHD and, you know, because it, it does allow a certain kind of intensity that is successful for certain things,
1: right? But stereotypically, we think of, especially when it's uh, in, in adults, we think of people who have a hard time uh, keeping their train of thought or focusing or completing tasks or following through, and that can be a real problem mm-hmm. as an adult, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can be, absolutely, a sort of trouble concentrating, focus. Disorganized, like that's kind of the way you usually see it with adults is more of like a disorganization and a forgetfulness. Um, that's how it manifests. Um, trouble concentrating. And that's really with adults is the way you'll see more of like the emotional difficulties that will manifest because like managing feelings, especially like anger and frustration, mm-hmm. there's not like a, a system to kind of know how to manage them. And then sometimes, so their relationships they might not have successful, you know, intimate relationships, and I mean friends or, you know, or romantic relationships because there's a sort of, like, um, hard time managing their actual feelings.
1: Right. Do you find often in cases of ADD in adulthood that sometimes people will self-medicate or try to adjust through, you know, substance abuse, that kind of thing?
2: I think so. I think so. Absolutely. In fact, I think a lot of people that um, there's certain drugs that if you, if you have ADD and ADHD that will actually be calming to you. And it's uh, the main one is cocaine because cocaine is a stimulant. Mm -hmm. So I often hear and see in, in patients that have either diagnosed or undiagnosed ADD or ADHD that they they'll say like cocaine kind of calms them. Right. And that's kind of a very, and it's not a hundred percent case basis, but that's a very good indicator that there's something else maybe going on. And that's part of why they do it because it does bring them down a little bit, Um, which is essentially what Adderall does. Like for the normal person, it would like hype them up. But for someone with ADD, it kind of levels them to a certain extent so I think alcohol drugs sure are absolutely um are ways to, to kind of soothe and you know people with ADHD they're something like six times more likely to have another psychiatric or learning like a di- disability not disability but psychiatric diagnosis or learning disorder than uh-huh. most other people hmm. yeah so and that's because it's kind of what I said before, the managing the feelings, there's not, and the, the difficulty concentrating and focusing and disorganization, all of that, you know, it's part and parcel. Like you can't, it's sort of inextricably linked to the other parts of your life, your relationships and, a, and, and your psyche and everything. So it kind of affects everything, which is why a diagnosis of it is so important Right. Um, because it's going to affect so many, every area of your life, really.
1: And you mentioned Adderall. Uh, what are the other treatments that are available to someone who is diagnosed as an adult with one of these conditions?
2: Well, so there's obviously medication. But again, I, I say that with an asterisk because I think, I mean, I, I, I do think a lot of kids especially, well, everyone's over, medicated. I mean, I think medication in conjunction with therapy, whether it be psychodynamic therapy, whether it be cognitive behavioral therapy, therapy um um are, are great and i think really important and things like um really kind of tactical things like making lists for yourself like if it's more of like an attention thing and a forgetfulness thing doing those kinds of things that will help you n- not do those things right so right. list and having a support system having um sort of accountability for yourself and the things that you need to get done for yourself having goals having a clock literally like a timer is really helpful for some people who just will like sit down to do something and then they kind of space out yeah and three three hours later they're like oh i was gonna do my taxes and i haven't you know so like having a timer and set time limits um so it's really a lot of containing um and that can be hard to do by yourself so um again, talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy for more of the like action items because that's cognitive behavioral is much more like that. That's kind of the way. I mean, I, I encourage people to not just throw a medication at it because if you still don't understand the underlying bits about it, because it's not just, oh, you have a hard time concentrating, right? It's, it, you know, it's, it's all one piece. And so um, as with anything, I encourage sort of understanding, treating something medicinally is, is, is great, but also treating it, you know, you know, psychologically and behaviorally is, is that much more powerful.
1: Again, great stuff and great advice, doc. Thank you so much for helping us understand this and, uh, I hope we'll talk to you soon again. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. If you or someone you love you think maybe dealing with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or attention deficit disorder, you can get more information by contacting Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It's an organization called CHAD, CHADD, C H A D D. It's a national resource center for ADHD and they've got a helpline. They only take calls on Monday through Friday between 1 and 5 Eastern Time, but you can call them and find out more information at 1 800-233-4050 or you can go to their website, which is chadd.org. Get yourself some help, get diagnosed, and get yourself going in the right direction. When I started doing the Ralph Report, I knew one of the elements I wanted to have was a long-form sit-down interview with people that I really liked and respected. And this guy was on the top of my list of people I wanted to talk to. Joan Ray is one of the funniest dudes I know. He is super creative, great writer, director, performer, comedian. His most high-profile project being as the new host of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Fascinating life, too. Jonah grew up in Hawaii and didn't make the move to uh, Los Angeles and a show business career until later in life. That's what we talk about in this first highlight in the interview, is what it's like growing up basically as a white kid amongst the locals there in Hawaii, and what his dreams were as a little kid in Oahu. I think you're really going to enjoy this week's interview with Jonah Ray. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is an interview a long time coming. Longtime long time friend of mine, uh, one of the funniest people I know, one of the nicest guys too, and that usually doesn't go hand in hand, but in this particular case... It does. Mr. Jonah Ray is with me today. Jonah, thank you so much for doing this, sir.
0: Glad to be here. Thanks for saying those nice things. Well, they're all true. Well, you know, it is. You are right. It is hard to usually when uh, someone's like, oh, is that guy funny? Or is that girl funny? They go. They're, they're really nice. <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that guy
1: nice? Well, he's funny. You know, it was, was TJ Miller. He's a funny guy. <laughs> he's a funny
0: guy. I was just talking about this last night with my friend uh, Cameron Esposito. And I, we were talking about how. Uh, it was so cool to see, you know, Emily, Gordon, Kumel Nanjiani, you know, on the Academy Awards, yes. and
1: genuinely nice people
0: genuinely, doing well, exactly. And it, it was so inspiring, as just only as a friend and former coworker of theirs, right. um, just to see that these are really nice, sweet people, and they're not sociopaths, right, or any more than any of us. Um, <laughs> but they look how much they achieved. And Same with Jordan Peele, yeah, you know, really nice guy. Uh, achieving these huge things So you, you're like Oh you don't have to be a dick Right And that's very inspiring It is
1: um, Let's get into your story Most of you folks know of course uh, Jonah from Mystery Science Theater 3000 Season 11 The the rebooted Brought back version of that hysterical show Great season by the way Oh thanks is, Oh it's so good And I haven't seen you since the news It was in November I guess You guys got announced You got picked up for season 12 on Netflix right? We are
0: writing it right now Oh that's awesome
1: Yeah um, but it's a long way from Oahu to mystery science theater. So let's cover some grounds. Sure. Uh, born,
0: born on the island, man, <laughs> man <laughs> and woman came together. Um, Were you
1: born on the island or did you, did you emigrate from someplace else? No,
0: no. Uh, born and raised on Oahu. Uh, um, your parents are Portuguese. My, my dad is like Portuguese by, you know, blood, but, right. uh, his side of the family, um, has been on Oahu for like he was, you know, fourth generation, I think, born. Oh, on I no idea. Yeah, they were my family, uh, at least the Rodrigues side, as opposed to the Furtado side, um, were Azorean Portuguese, the Azores Islands off the coast of Portugal. They were first wave of immigrants to come and work on the plantations hmm. in Hawaii. So they've been there a long time. Um, my, uh, my mom, they got to build that wall, man, to keep those build. immigrants out. Exactly. They're taking away Hawaiian jobs. Yeah. Those are American jobs. There's, it's, a, it's like, we should build a wall around every white person. <laughs> Just protect <laughs> them from themselves. Yeah, exactly. But we, uh, so, you know, and then my mom's family moved there when she was like 13 oh, and, wow. uh, her, her, her dad had a, um, a furniture shop in uh, Northern California in a town called Orland, which is, uh. Probably known for being near Chico, um, and so it's where the prisoners run to when they escape from yeah, the penitentiary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're gonna hide out in Orland. Uh, but the, he loved Hawaii, and they would take trips there. And then he ran a furniture shop, and so he kind of became friends with guys from Sears because he would order furniture from Sears. Sure. And then he said, "Hey," they said, "Yeah, we're opening up a, a, a new Sears on Oahu. He's, a, I'll run your furniture department." So he sold the family business and moved his family to. Uh, Hawaii that's a good trade-off I mm-hmm. think I'd work at Sears if I could live in Hawaii yeah yeah it's uh, like it was a huge pay cut too and then just, so he just wanted to live in Hawaii so he took his four kids there it must have been a big deal when Sears opened up on the island however though it was I'm sure it was yeah back I, in the day I mean I remember how crazy it was when Dunkin Donuts opened up and and the Starbucks opened up in my town that's so funny yeah but it's a uh, yeah so that's I was so I was born and raised there but you know and I'm my dad's side of the family, you know, all local, all brown. Right. You know, uh, my mom very pale skin. I got her skin. Yeah. My brother got my dad's skin. You're the white boy in the family. Yeah, I'm the dumb Howley. Yeah. <laughs> was there was there prejudice being a local growing up and looking like a, a white dude? Yeah. You? Yeah. You're hardly local, especially me, because I got like you know, I was like a like uh, a blonde hair when I was a little kid, and mm. then I got real fat, and then I had glasses, and so, and I got tall. Jeez. Just give so, yourself a break. <laughs> but I was a target, you know, so it's, I, I I'm, and I, I can say that now, like, looking back, but, I, you know, it's, it was really, I didn't, you know, I stopped surfing as much, because my, as my vision got bad, I didn't go in the water as much, because, you know, you see a shadow, <laughs> and you think it's a shark, because it could be. That's it's true. Not, It's not an irrational fear. Right. You're not off the Jersey Shore, you're in Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the it's, I, there was a bit of like, you know, my cousins like would just call me the holly kid, you know, and wow. I was always kind of, and you know, it was family and it was, like I was embraced, but it was, there was a bit of a separation and, and it wasn't the best, but you know, it was still, you know, they all, we all love each other now. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Now, yeah now that you've got a series and a couple of bucks to spend, everybody's your friend. You know, what the worst is, is like, I wish, I wish people would know, could know more that we don't make as much money as they think. That's I wish there was a way to show people that because there was a time where like it was you know a year or so ago I had like, three shows technically yeah the meltdown and Comedy Central had Hidden America on CISO, which you were great in. Oh, loved that show and um and Mystery Science Theater and you know if I was a kid and I was like this guy has three, three shows three TV shows three TV shows uh, I would say he's a multimillionaire right but it's not the case anymore cuz back in the day that would be the case yeah when there was three three networks yeah even my friends they were like it's like hey oh we heard you got like 3 million to do uh like um the meltdown I said M- that was maybe almost the budget for the entire <laughs> three seasons and they're like it's like sorry they messed up they meant three hundred thousand. i was like i wish i had three keep going uh, yeah lower, lower lower yeah so it, it, that's always the weirdest thing when you go back home and it's uh, there's that weird thing where it's you know it's like well you can cover this right yeah and i know i, go, I go, kind of like i i, I, and that's the, I get the next one yeah yeah
1: uh so what's the dream for a kid in in on the island of oahu it always strikes me as odd i talked to Whenever I do one of these interviews, I always am fascinated by the origin story because most people come from places where entertainment as a career and show business is a million miles away. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder what is the thing that sparks that in people that leads them down that road? Sometimes they come out of the womb thinking I got to sing, got to dance, and then sometimes yeah. it's an event in their life where everything sort of shifts and they move into a different direction. What was your
0: situation? Well, I always, I always liked – performing right. uh, you know I, I liked playing music, I got playing drums really early on I liked um, I tried to join plays, but I was also as my as my body when I started getting taller than everybody and bigger and it, and my body hurt it wasn 't like I was got big, and I was like, well, I'll play sports. it was just like my body was getting big and it hurt all the time, and like i didn't it was like a mech suit that no one gave me the directions for. <laughs> And I didn't know how to use it. And so I, was, I got real clumsy. I wasn't able to skateboard anymore because I lost my balance. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, was
1: it because of the speed that you grew? Was yeah, it, it, it was, was
0: real fast. Mm. It was like out of nowhere. And, I, and it was around the same time that where Andre the Giant died from complications of gigantism. Right. And I started getting scared. Like I, I got so scared because I thought I wasn't going to stop growing. Because oh. was, everyone was just... And no one else in my family was tall. That was another weird part. Were
1: you exposed to some radioactivity or
0: something? <laughs> I think so. Cloud? Yes. Maybe I hit like something for being near the equator and for some reason. Something came like, out of like, a volcano nearby. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I stared at a goat and I hit a gypsy <laughs> and a, the, a, an urn got knocked over. But it's 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 something that I always liked and wanted to do, but also my I guess self-esteem. It's like there's even there's a I made like a I took like a little film communication arts class when I was a junior in high school and i made a little short um, mm-hmm. and but like i remember like there was like when we first started the class we had to get interviewed and i was like what do you want to do when you grow up and like i would just i was putting on like punk shows i was playing in punk bands i would put on punk shows at my house and i would say oh i just i put on punk shows and i would my my dream is to put on big punk shows um, and i did that cuz i was so scared of wanting to be known as a person who wanted to perform mm. because of like the way i viewed myself right and so i did keep it under wraps but it is something i always wanted like even sometimes when I would play in punk bands, I would I would do f- funny poems like after our sets, oh gotcha, uh, you know about being like a white kid in Hawaii or you know being chubby can get most of them were not being able to get girls. That was pretty much the underlying theme of every single one of them. Um, but it was just something that I. Always wanted to, I just wanted to be Mel Brooks. I wanted to be Albert Brooks. I wanted to.
1: Were, were movies and TV shows a big part of your life when you were coming up as a kid? Yeah, I was yeah.
0: obsessed with horror movies and comedy and um, not necessarily stand up. I loved stand up, but I just watched whatever was on Comedy Central. Mystery Science Theater was something I was obsessed with. Right, sure. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed knowing about comedy, like Monty Python. I found Mr. Show first out of all my friends. Um, you know, kids in the hall. I was obsessed with them wearing a kids in the hall pin. Actually, oh, yeah, I just realized yeah, yeah. that. Um, it was just something that I was you know making little sketches with my friends and you know begging my parents for a little editing machine so I could hook up my camera to my VCR and edit little videos oh, and stuff cool. like that. And but it was you know, but it was just like a dream, right? And it, was, it wasn't really something because in Hawaii, even like the more the, the more famous musicians, which is kind of like even the comics, like they all have other jobs. If you're known for being a comic uh, in Hawaii, you're probably a radio show host. That's probably like the height of, um, or you have like a local access, but that's not going to pay you. Like there's a there's a couple guys they used to do thing just buckle loose, and uh, now they're called Debrados, but they have other jobs and they do corporate gigs like on you know different parts, different islands and stuff like that. But they still have jobs. Gotcha. But they have like they've had a sketch show on cable access for you know twenty years. Right. So there's there's a there's a real ceiling there, and even like the you know israel kamaka ole who was like one of the biggest musicians to come out outside of don ho uh um at, in hawaii if you stay in hawaii you only there's only so much you can do right there's only so many people there's only so many people that like have money to spend for that stuff and and also and i was talking to my friend um irie love i went to high school with her and she's become like a very successful uh like a reggae singer and she talks about how it's everyone in Hawaii. They just want you to, like, it's like everyone's kind of your cousin or a friend of your cousin. And so it's like, they're like, hey, can you do this thing? It's like, yeah, well, my rate is this much. It's like, oh, can you just do it? Come on. Come on, do it for free. Help a brother out. Yeah, we'll get you some food. You know, it's like, oh, come on. Why are you going to do that to me? Your cousin's cousin. You know, just, it's this, it's a small town still. right? And so I, and the comedy that was there is very specific to the comedy of the islands, which is very, it's, I'm not going to say racist, but it's racial. It's all, you know, so you guys, you guys, guys like Frank DeLima and Andy Bumatai and um, Andy Bumatai made a little bit, of, a little bit of a puddle splash out here, but then ended up going back to Hawaii. And it's one of those things where you just kind of like, you can become successful there, but you also have to play into what people know and are comfortable with.
1: Got you. So it's very germane to the islands. Yes, and, exactly. And that culture.
0: Yeah. So it's like, I would go, it's like, oh, what did the Portuguese guy do? And he said, check out the dog with one eye. Portuguese guy, cover one eye and go where the dog stay you know that's <laughs> that would kill him on the island yeah, this, this is classic <laughs> does not fly classic. in studio classic. city but, no it uh, does not no um well it killed this audience of one it's true it did yes. but for not for not the, not right, for reasons. the right reasons yeah. no <laughs> um so i knew that like as a white guy as a, a, a you know as a healthy kid it's like and what i in my head was like oh it's like the kind of comedy that i like is happening out in the world in the world and i have to get out there and i and I, like, I didn't want to move to L.A. Because, you know, there's always that prejudice that L.A. has. You even just – it's infected into you if you watch any show from, like, that was made in New York. <laughs> like, as a kid, you're like, L.A. sucks. Smog and traffic. Yes, right. And then when you, like, hear people say that nowadays, you go, well, live near where you work. <laughs> right. I don't have to drive so far. Yeah. And the smog kind of got nixed in the 70s. Yeah, it's better. It's, yeah, it's better. Um, that's why I always – when you watch, like, TV shows made in the 70s and – in LA it's like everything's just bright orange (laughs) everyone's sweaty and bright orange and brown um but uh, yeah so I um I knew I had to if I wanted to do it and it was one of those things where it's like it's all I ever thought about but also I was a good drummer in punk bands right and so I kind of stayed there to feel safe after I graduated high school I stayed in Hawaii just to play in bands and I'd lost like a bunch of weight and I was it was like a whole new thing but I I kept on thinking to myself I was like it's like but this is what I want to do I want to I just in my head all the time. Like, I want to be belt Brooks. I want to be, you know. So that was
1: always a goal, even though you thought at the time it was not attainable. It was not. You attainable. weren't a drummer who suddenly fell into acting or no, comedy or something. No,
0: not like Fred like, Armisen. Or Mickey Jones. Or Mickey Jones, yeah. <laughs> God rest his soul. Mickey yeah. Jones. Playing with Kenny Rogers. And then said, I think I'm just going to do this instead. Anyways, it's like, it's so weird that me and my wife Deanna were talking about this the other day where it's like, it seems musicians are allowed to act more so than people want actors to be <laughs> oh, musicians. Oh, very much so. Yes. It's like it's like, "Oh, wow, like this this guy's going to be in a movie. That's pretty cool. Like Up going to star in a Lars von Trier movie. Rad. But if it's like the girl from the Lars von Trier movie is going to be in a band, <laughs> fuck you." <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. This is, so I think it's because of Don Johnson. I think, yeah. I, think I think heartbreak really yeah. uh, threw us all for a I loop. We it, never got over it. You know what it was? I think it was uh, the return of Bruno. That by, too. Uh, that Mercedes. also
1: was uh, respect yourself. Yeah, still I still carry that <laughs> scar. More with Jonah Ray all week long. Also coming up this week, of course, Sex University. We're going to be talking about bisexuality, male and female. We're also going to debut One Hit Wonder Wednesday. We're going to have the movie beat later on in the week. It's going to be a terrific week, so stick around. Make sure you subscribe to The Ralph Report at patreon.com. I love you. I mean it. Bye.